0: But also to ask yourself, okay, like, how can I be productive with where I am? How can I bloom where I'm planted in my own most fruitful way in this moment in time? Easier said than done.
1: Welcome to the Artist Becoming Podcast. Hey, Jess. Hey, Shelby. A five, six, seven, eight.
0: Join us in weekly conversations with performing artists. Across stages, studios, rings, fields, and screens.
1: Every conversation a chance to dive deep into the story of their becoming. All right, Shelby, let's get on into it. Welcome to another episode of Inside Out: Small Chats, Big Topics, where together we discuss some big topics that are circulating our industry those ones that we just don't usually get to talk about. We're going to share some personal insights, stories, good giggles, nitty-gritty challenging sides of the industry that we just don't usually sit with. And if you have a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, DM us your thoughts at artistbecoming on Instagram or send us an email at artistbecoming at gmail.com.
0: Hey, guys. Hey, Shelby. We are back, friends, with another episode of Small Chats, Big Topics. And Jess, what are we chatting about today?
1: Today, we are going to chat about being an understudy or being second cast. And this was actually a um, listener wrote in and sent us a little DM saying, you know, I'd love to hear you guys talk about this. I think getting back into the studios, back into the rehearsal grind, into casting after some time spent away, I think this is probably resurfacing for a lot of people and while we've talked about facing rejection, um, this is like its own kind of special breed of challenge, I'd say. It's, it's definitely a challenging kind of position to be in. And like all things, there's a negative and positive spectrum of the energy. So we're going to dive on into it. <laughs> Shelby. I would love to know what was your experience over the course of your career with being second cast? If you ever had that experience.
0: (laughs) Never. Um, (laughs)
1: um, You know, what was your experience, your experience with being an understudy and just sitting in your seat now? um, Give us a little higher perspective, a little bird's eye view. A
0: little bird's eye. Um, I was so grateful that that this came up because it really is a thing of it's part of par for the course as a performing artist. You're, you know, you're either first cast, second cast, third, fourth, fifth, sixth cast, like a given point, right. Covering, maybe doing one role, covering five others. And there's a lot of negotiating that you have to do with your energy. And there's a lot of heartbreak that happens when you're after a part and maybe you get second or third cast, or maybe you just get, when I was in Denmark, my first career, it was very common to just You were put on to learn. Like you knew from the onset you will not be doing this role, but we want you to learn it. And you know, dependent upon the stage of your career, like early on as a first-year core member or an apprentice, you're like, you're excited to be in the room, you know? And then maybe your first, second, third year, fourth year core, or you've been a soloist for a number of years, even the principals we've spoken with, Megan, Fairchild, there's still a hunger and a thirst to. Share your version of an interpretation of something and to get a show. And I think, as kind of type A personalities within the, the profession, um, you want the role. And if you get it, you want first cast. <laughs> and if you get it, you want opening night. And there's always this kind of chase for um, being at the front of the line. And what I found was that I absolutely wanted all of those things. And I was discouraged often like real talk. it sucked, honestly. Um, If I was constantly put on second or third cast for things over time, especially after I retired and can look back at these things from what did I learn from that experience or what brand of integrity or character did those challenges help me build? I think that, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Like I came away with a lot more than I would have probably if I was just given first cast when what I wanted, when I wanted it, which as we know, is just such a rarity. Um, So I feel like I could kind of wax poetic on my experience with it all day long because it's just so common. Um, We talk a lot about feeling empowered or embodied at artists becoming and with so many of our partner schools and, and fellow dancers and fellow performing artists. And I think it's a matter of all right, I have no power over which cast I'm going to be more often than not, um, but where does my power lie? And it lies with how I'm going to show up to learn this role in the corner, back corner of the studio or how I'm going to show up for my second cast performance, knowing that there's audience members out there This might be their first time at the ballet and they have no idea that you're second cast. You're a star. You could be in the back row of a ballet. You're a star to them because you're on stage. (laughs) So like lovely, helpful, efficient perspective shifts that definitely became much clearer to me in retrospect. Um, How about you? How about you, Jess?
1: Oh, I'm a second cast queen. Oh, (laughs) she (laughs) is. A star on the side of the studio. No, I mean, I I basically just nod in reverence to every word that you just spoke. And I'd say it's one of those hard conversations where it's like, we want to be able to provide some kind of actionable insights into our experiences um, on the side of the studio. And it's that thing of like, coulda, shoulda, woulda, when, you know, and- mm-hmm so often time spent, I think there's kind of different challenges to what it means to be a second cast besides the letdown in your heart of not getting to be the kind of chosen. It's all about being chosen. It, it all comes back to that, yeah, that narrative of being the chosen one. And how do you reclaim your power? And how do you, how do you give power to your own artistry and your own growth is what artists becoming is all about. And I think that Something that I've learned from you that I would say would be like a really powerful kind of second cast or understudy nugget for those that are currently finding themselves in the studio on the side of the studio is you always have kind of um, inspired me with the concept of active listening. And I think that being second caster and understudy is like the ultimate opportunity to master active listening, and <laughs> I'm just thinking about like when you're on the side of the studio and you're second cast. There's kind of like two ways you can go about it. There's actually there's like 40 ways you could go about it. You could sit in the corner. You could send text messages. You could sit on the floor. You could roll out. You could stretch. You could be the girl who's doing full out with feeling on the side of the studio while the center of the studio is going on sometimes guilty as charged i've been all of those versions of an artist at one point or the other but the most richest potential but potentially the richest version of artist you could be is one that is so attuned to listening to the energy of the room to what the choreographers are saying to what the dancers are dancing and to what lynn charles called the essence of the piece because you have an opportunity, we talk about reframe. It's like, let's reframe it. When you're in the center of the studio and it's being created on you and you're in the hustle and bustle of it, there's a lot of benefits to being that person. But you can't look at the piece with a bird's eye view. You're deep on the inside. And when you're that outside second cast understudy perspective, you kind of get to watch with this eagle eye and, what that means is that if you can really soak it up and instead of obsessing over kind of doing it on the side on your own, but rather be an observer and a witness to the piece and the experience and your part and all the parts around it and what the choreographer is saying, and you get you have this opportunity to step into the center with a very rich and nuanced just mastery of the the depth of what you're about to enter into and then to to emanate that in a way that sometimes the first cast can't do and so I think that that's the reframe um which is easier said than done (laughs) when you just want to be in the middle you know you just want to be chosen and I've also had times where I was first cast and I got swapped out for the second cast person Mm -hmm. I've been in that position where the understudy ended up going on instead of me for the opening night, you know, and, and that's hard too. Um, but I would say that the most powerful kind of insight I might be able to offer would be to choose to actively listen. And yeah, I
0: don't know. I'm obsessed with the way you transpose that. And I wish so badly that I had that perspective all the many, many, many times (laughs) that was effing second, third, fourth, fifth cast for things. Um, because that is, that is such an efficient and professional way to show up to an opportunity because that it is an opportunity. It doesn't feel like one in the moment you feel shafted or often unappreciated or whatever. But one thing that that's come up for me in reflecting on, on this is like the times that I was injured and coming back from injuries and just so excited to like, take class without pain or learn a ballet because my injury was healing enough that they could start putting me in rehearsals to, to learn things. And it's just amazing how we manage and remanage our expectations around our capacity. And to that end, another reason why perhaps it feels so frustrating when you aren't given the opportunity that, you know, you could fulfill, or you believe you could fulfill on opening night You know, I've had, I remember talking with a few principal dancers, friends of mine in Royal Danish Ballet and Boston Ballet. And, you know, the the casting was always like opening night was this big deal on like Friday or Saturday night. And then there was always like the Sunday matinee cast. And you didn't really want to be the Sunday matinee cast, you know, it it was like often the younger audience and whatever. And I remember talking to a few artists and they were like, I love getting that Sunday mat. You know, I get a good night's sleep. The energy the audience has energy. I'm done. I'm done by four 30. Like I have my whole evening. I get to celebrate. And I was like, wow, that's, that's a nice way to look at it, but it's a reframe. And you know, I think we're going to just talk our, like talk ourselves off a cliff when it comes to the opportunities and amount of time that we suggest reframing our circumstance. But we reiterate that because it's potent and because it's completely relevant to pretty much every single conversation that we're having, because it is a language. It's an opportunity for us to take back control or to show up with a different kind a different brand of embodiment of our potential or the energy that we're bringing to a room or a piece. And I just want to say one more thing that you said I loved so much was this idea of getting to kind of zoom out and take in more than just one role. Um, when I look back at some of the times in a, usually they were like studio runs of ballets or like a, a stage run that wasn't in front of an audience yet. And I think about the times when I marveled at watching a pas de deux from Lady the Camellias or uh, one of my favorite artists doing a variation from Dances at a Gathering, just practicing it um, on his own in a studio. Moments where I was just, insatiably grateful to be a dancer because I could stand there or sit there and bear witness to such beauty. And rarely was that me. Like it was almost always, always in my mind, in that special, most precious folder in my mind, it is dancers practicing to an empty, in front of an empty studio or in, in the studio in front of their colleagues. And it's watching an artist grow in that way as an observer. Um, And knowing that I was growing just by sitting there witnessing it, Um, and that has absolutely nothing to do with casting. So I think it's important to acknowledge the frustrations that come with not being that chosen person, Um, but also to ask yourself, okay, like, how can I be productive with where I am? How can I bloom where I'm planted in my own most fruitful way? in this moment in time. Easier said than done.
1: Amen, sister. Amen. And that's a wrap. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Love that. Love it. Blooming.
0: Everybody's blooming. Active listening. Always be blooming. Always be active listening. (laughs) Always
1: be listening. (laughs) Always be listening. Always be blooming. We should have merch.
0: We should have March. Also, always be sharing, y'all. Like, subscribe,
1: share. You see what I did there? <laughs> be liking, be sharing, be subscribing. Live, laugh, love. Okay. <laughs> amazing, Perfect. Peace. Bye. Want to connect further with our community at Artists Becoming? Rate and review this podcast and subscribe to stay on top of our weekly guest artist conversations and our small chats, big topics. Check out www.artistbecoming.com to learn more about our monthly subscription membership. Filled with on demand guided meditation and yummy yoga practices to support your unique journey as a performing artist. Follow along on Instagram at ArtistBecoming for sneak peeks and inspiring content, and DM us the dream artists, athletes, performers, psychologists that you'd love to hear from or topics you'd like for us to unpack. Sharing is caring, so fire up that group chat, share to your stories, comment. Share, 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 and just stay connected with us. We are here for your becoming.